0: Here at Renew Energy Partners, climate change is very important to us, and so is beer. In every episode of the Green Beers podcast, we taste beer together. We talk about the brewery and their sustainability practices, and then we talk about a topic relating to our work in decarbonizing buildings and mitigating climate change. Welcome to Green Beers. My name is Mike Savage, and I'm here with Charlie Laura. Nathan Montgomery,
1: and our special guest.
2: Aurora Fernandez.
0: Day on Green Beers, we got a really special beer. Um, I think, well, I just, I personally think it's a good one. I haven't had it in a very long time. We have the Lagunitas India Pale Ale, highly balanced, super drinkable, and we'll see how crushable it is. <laughs> the crushability score TBD. Right. Mike seven. That was the sound of my bottle opening. And Aurora has a can. Nice. <laughs> mm. Aurora, do you have the wow. same highly balanced, super bowl?
2: I have one called Daytime.
1: Uh. Cool. Looks like a good one. Daytime.
2: And yeah. you said session, so a little more alcohol content, possibly? A crisp session IPA,
0: 4.0 alcohol, 4. Right, so we'll, Yeah, we we'll, we'll have two different Lagunitas products to report on today. Exactly. Mike's coming in very optimistic. Yeah, I think more optimistic than usual. Um, <laughs> I... So I, I was out in um, C- Seattle last week, and um, I, I think uh, Emily Kosmala, our great colleague out there, she was super excited to um, introduce all these beers. And I, but I was like, I'm I'm in, a, in I'm in a in a wine mood, and uh, didn't didn't try as many. But we definitely went to some cool breweries, and I'm super excited to drink some uh, some IPAs right now. And uh so far, so good we'll we'll wait to the end to get into it, yeah. but I, I feel like this could be something. yeah, it's great to have Laganidas on the rotation, see where they end up. But Aurora, wanted to um dive into your background. You've joined us uh in the beginning of March, coming on two months here, and w- can you talk a little bit about some of the work that that you're doing for us and what led you to join Renew?
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, actually it's three months now. I started February 15th, so I hit the 90 day mark. What was it this week on Monday? So very happy. Yeah. Drink to that. (laughs) Cheers. Um, My background. Yeah. So I, um, I'm from Venezuela originally. That's, that's, I guess I kick off my background with that all the time, but uh, my background is a little different than most of our colleagues here at Renew. I come from a marketing, a digital marketing background in different areas. I was working at law law firms for for a while before Renew. Um, And during the pandemic, I I decided to dive into a master's in sustainability management, which sustainability has always been my passion. But I decided to dive into that. And since then, since, since getting into that, I've just trying, you know, trying to get into making a better, you know, impact in, in social and environmental impact. So that's, that's really what led me to Renew through the job I had at, at, at the law firm or working in carbon footprinting and also helping out with social impact projects there. I, um, just decided to to keep searching for, for what I wanted. I definitely knew I wanted to be more in, involved in, in client work and specifically in energy and decarbonization. and That, that kind of led me to, to meet you wonderful people and now I'm here. I mean, I decided right away that I wanted to be part of the team. So that's why I'm here.
0: <laughs> well, it's great to have you, Aurora. So you said sustainability has been a passion of yours for a long time. Can you tell us that story? Do you remember when it became a focus for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and part of, it, I think it's been something just instilled in me from my parents. They're both, their background is both are both, um, engineers. I guess in English it's called ag- agronom, agronomical engineers, basically engineers, yeah. like engineers in agronomy. And, and my dad specifically, he's, He's uh, specialized in soil science, and my mom, as I like to joke, she specialized in weed science, actual weed. So um, <laughs> so growing up the with kind parents...
0: kind that grows in gardens.
2: Exactly. The kind that grows in gardens. Um, I, that, arac- that's going
0: somewhere different. I was thinking um, ergonomics. You know, like, are you sitting correctly
2: in a chair? <laughs> Oh, like I, I we designed no, agronomy, there, agronomy like 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 agriculture, 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 agro, agro engineering. Yeah. I guess agro engineering would be a better term. Um, yeah. so, so growing up with parents like that, I mean, the environment and agriculture was always, you know, a part of just like my surroundings. Like, my like plants were everywhere. My mom knew exactly how to call scientifically call and name all of the plants that. Just were around me all the time, so growing up with parents like that, you know envi- environment was always a big like an important part of 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 life now and so that you know I think that just just that instilled my my passion for sustainability but then you know in as a career out, right out of college i i actually i couldn't find work, I was in venezuela i couldn't find work i didn't know what to do you know I was right out of college. And I started this project of picking up tires that were out on the streets in Venezuela, and we were talking about you know tires everywhere and I would take them back to my sister's house or backyard, and I would turn them into seats like I would paint them and turn them into seats this This project lasts like six months I, and-
0: By the way, this is why I love the podcast. <laughs> I mean, don't you- for <laughs> 4 months, 3 of months of which you worked for us and we never heard the story. This is right.
2: the coolest. Yeah. So I did that for I don't know about 5 or 6 months right out of college and I would sell them. I would actually like sell them. I I sold probably like 3 or 4. I mean, we're talking about it. it's a very so, you know small Did your sister but... ever
0: say, "Could you please stop bringing tires in the yeah, backyard? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then eventually, I did find a job, thank God. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. My sister would have probably, you know, disowned me. You know, okay. enough. now, we're not either that, or you'd
0: be the tire seek queen of Venezuela. Yeah, <laughs> either that. You know,
2: but I had high, I had high ambitions. I wanted to, you know, get equipment to actually recycle these tires and turn them into something else. And you know? but, you know, it at the time, this was. This was, we're talking about 2012, 2013. So things weren't that bad yet in Venezuela, but they were starting to get pretty, pretty wild down there. Um, so anyway, I found a job in actually what, you know, renew reminds me a lot of that first job I had because it was in, it was doing LED lighting projects, doing solar energy projects. But um most of it was actually like the implementation of, of the projects. We didn't have all the funding and the financing business model that you know that we have here at Renew, and that was actually the biggest problem down there, especially because Venezuelan energy costs are nowhere near the costs here that there are in here in North America. So it was quite difficult to be able to sell the the cost of the project, right? Um, but nevertheless, that 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 experience instilled in me a huge passion for sustainability and energy. And I really had to to leave that business not out of not out of wanting, um, but more so out of a Venezuela country situation at the time. And we're talking about twenty fifteen, things got really, really difficult and I, I decided to leave and leave Venezuela. I came to the US. So that's that's why I couldn't keep continue working with them. But it it really did instill me um, that that passion for sustainability. And ever since I had been wanting to get back into the space and it's like I've done like a full circle now. I'm back at something that's similar, but better. <laughs> and, and yeah, well, that's, that's yeah, yeah.
0: yeah it's, it sounds like the sustainability program that, that you got started at American University was one that, that really kicked off your your, your transition back here to sustainability in terms of the getting going on in the States. Um, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about what you, what you learned, what, what they were teaching and and sort of the prospects of, of what it looked like to be um, training to become a sustainability manager looking at decarbonization and what, what was being taught at, at school and how that in your 3 months here back in the industry how does that look you now starting to talk to those same types of people that that you were getting educated with and, and what what that looks like
2: Yeah um so i mean i think sustainability programs are popping up everywhere now um but in my experience the experience i had here at American University uh shout out to Cogod Business School um that that was a really good experience that was very oriented towards like consulting work like team uh, business consulting work and i think their their uh goal is to like develop sustainability consultants through the program so a lot of the courses were oriented to working with real companies um not always on sustainability related matters. Sometimes I had work, I had projects that were like marketing related matters, but for a company that had sustainability um products or sustainability services. Um so that was a big part of the course. Another part of the course, I, I I think um because we we were also able to like mold it to our interests, um, in my particular experience, I I chose some courses that were a bit more scientific. Um, I had a really good course on energy and water systems with an amazing professor by the name of Victoria Herman. She's, she's a PhD and she's like a nagio explorer doing amazing work, scientific work in, in the Arctic. Um, and she was an amazing professor and that, that course was, was very scientific in terms of studying the different systems and, um, that exist in, in terms of energy and water usage and, and how you know how resources are being depleted and how these need to change at an infrastructure level to be able to become more resilient. So it was it was it was a course that was very oriented towards resiliency um and I remember in that course we would do a lot of like round table type discussions or break room type discussions and they were oriented towards like how can we engage stakeholders at a community level at a government level, at a business level, at a, at different levels of of society, to to make these changes, and you know the discussions were really interesting because you know everyone at those levels have different goals, have different interests. So that was that was in in particular that that was a very interesting course. That um, working with Renew, I've I've been able to like kind of connect the dots of what I yeah we're going to get Nanny
0: into. Talking more with you, Aurora, about this idea of the sustainability manager and the way that they sort of engage stakeholders inside a company and outside to meet goals, um, which is, I, I love the, the, the description of um, that you just made of stakeholders, because I think that's something we're realizing that part of our job is to engage stakeholders across a company. But before we get to that... <laughs> I wanna ask you a couple more questions about uh, uh, you um one is do, what is the what would you say is the best beer coming out of Venezuela
2: oh wow well
0: or what's your favorite beer
2: That's interesting so i' i'm gonna i'm disclaimer here I'm not a huge beer person I'm more of a wine person, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that there are really good beers that maybe I'm not aware of coming out of Venezuela or, or being developed locally in, in Venezuela. Um, but the beers I always, I always drink, um, in Venezuela. And, and since I was, you know, since I started drinking back in, in my younger days, I mean, the, the, the don't age don't for drinking or... in Venezuela is 18, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah don't, really ask, don't ask. Don't <laughs> ask. Um, so the the famous beers there are from a Venezuelan company. It's, it's the largest, like privately held company called Polar, um, mm-hmm. and they have they have really good beers. Their main beer is um, a, a beer by the same name, Polar, um, and because it's kind of smaller than than regular size bottled beers, uh, they're called Polarcita, so like little po- Polar um and they're in like these black bottles that just everyone in venezuela drinks them like it's the national beer really so when you start drinking beer that is the beer you drink exactly and they come in these big 24 bottled cases um that everyone in every family in venezuela has one of those cases at home and when you just need to you know you have drinks or have a party you just go take the case and and just switch out the the bottles for new ones and and that's you know that everyone has that or you just take it to the take it to the beach and on your way there you just switch it out um so that is I wouldn't say actually that's my favorite but that is like the prominent beer there and then um Polar has a line of beers called Solera which are really good those would be my favorite um there's one in a green bottle and so you you would call it like La Verde because it's a green. But verde is green in, in Spanish, so you would call. And that was always my favorite bottle. I mean, uh, beer. I, I would with three of those, I was done for the night. That's how. That's,
0: <laughs> that's how right. that's, that's good the, it, the, that's it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. And very quickly, because we've been asking this from everybody, and we, I want to get the whole roster. If you could choose one person, uh, human, any human, living or historical, to have a beer with, who would it be?
2: I knew the question was coming. So, so I I thought about it and I actually, I, I have, I have two answers if I, if I can do two, um, one living yeah. and one, one historical figure. So one living, I would, I would say my dad, I, I would say my dad, um, I would love to have my, a beer with my dad right now or, or this weekend. Um, cause he's just, it's, he's, he's a great, He's a great drinking buddy, for sure. So I'd love to have a, a beer with well, my dad. I miss him every fantastic. day. Yeah. What's um, your dad's name? Osvaldo. Os- Osvaldo.
0: Osvaldo. Yeah, Osvaldo.
2: Yeah. Osvaldo, yeah. He's, Osvaldo he's, Fernandez he's, exactly. joins
0: at, the, at our table, uh, Nina Simone, Tiger Woods. Babe <laughs> Ruth. Carl Carl Sagan. Oh yeah, Carl Sagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is getting good. Uh, right. Yeah.
2: I did have another one. I don't know if I if, if there's time no, for, yeah. for the it for the historical good. one. The historical one is uh uh Frida Kahlo, which is a Mexican Mexican oh, nice, yeah. painter. She's she's amazing. Her her background, her history, her art is is beautiful and her resiliency in pain is really what has always made me feel like like I admire her. So, I would have a beer with her and ask her a lot of questions. <laughs> it's fantastic. She was yeah. a certified badass. I would yeah. say that. Yeah, she was. She definitely was, yeah.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Thank you Aurora. Yeah.
2: That
0: was that was wonderful. I I'm looking forward to seeing the um the, the Mount Rushmore of uh, of, of, of faces of all, all the all the people that we would have beers with.
2: Um, I'll send a, a picture of my dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We can
1: we can make it in Canva. Ah. By the way, yeah. we need
0: to add this to the uh, to the website. Alongside the ranking of the beers is our Renew Beer Historical. What, what do we call it? The Renew Beer Circle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll add it to the page
0: the Mount Rushmore, or like, you know, the, the dogs playing cards. I don't know. I feel like there's some Photoshop that could be done there. <laughs>
1: um,
0: well, uh, I, I think uh transitioning back to the conversation on sustainability managers and, and sort of the education um, Super interesting to hear about sort of the work and, and how, you know, American universities go about training. Try I'm interested in your insights on your career and experience and, and sort of the, the role of sustainability managers that you've seen uh, since, uh, since you've graduated. Well, that was a long time ago. I wasn't going to say it? that, but <laughs> we're now capturing a 30-year no, that's a, it's a great question. And, and actually, it's something that we're seeing and living every day here at Renew. We just had a call this morning with a uh, Fortune 200 that um, began the call by saying, We just pulled together our sustainability team. And the meeting was led by their sustainability manager. She said, We just got our team together. So that is, it's almost weekly now that we hear uh, or meet with a company that says we just have our sustainability team together. We're in the process, just completed our roadmap, we just set our goals. This company has set a goal of net zero by 2030. So the sustainability managers we're seeing now, and I'm interested in Aurora's take on this, are, have been elevated to roles of prominence in their companies. that that is outstrips anything we could have imagined five years ago, and certainly for me, 30 years ago. Um, So that you have sustainability managers who've been given a measurable corporate goal that the board is reporting on, and that gives them authority. They may not have the purse strings, but in this call this morning, for example, there was somebody from finance in the call so that they could hear about how are we going to pay for getting to net zero. So when if you go back 30 years, companies didn't have sustainability managers, that would, it would have been a consulting gig that would maybe show people what their sustainability challenges were. But it would have been reporting only, um, and it would have been geared into principally towards identifying um, different sorts of environmental impacts to, 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 to report on them and maybe develop in-house programs around things like recycling. Uh, the fact that that uh, you have sustainability managers now, 30 years later, with teams, um, titles that begin with the C, you know, Chief Sustainability, alongside the Chief Financial Officer, the Chief Operating Officer, and a mandate to achieve now a reportable car, uh, corporate goal, it's a brand new day, and it's, it means those people, those are um, those are really important people for us to know and and from the world. Point of decarbonizing the U.S. economy, these are the people who are now at, at at point in some ways in getting there. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I think that we're going to see the commercial sector decarbonize st- over this next decade. Um, is it going to be fast enough? I mean, I, of course, we all wanted this done yesterday, but you know, it it is happening, and that's that's the exciting part. You know, I was at Siba last week and just tons of. All these people, all they're all at the common goal, right? Seventy-seven out of the top Fortune 100 are there, all trying to figure out what strategies exist, working together, very collegial. How do we push forward on, on these goals? And it is, you know, solar at scale, on-site renewables, behind-the-meter solutions that we can deliver. It's no size, it's no one-size-fits-all, and it's exciting to see. You know, the leaders like the you know the fangs of, of the world the microsoft of the world do so much work but it's all the little organizations and that are you know, massive in their own right but that are all developing
1: their own strategies and you know we're we're super excited to be a part of that solution and just to just to jump in there uh, when mike says CEBA for any of our listeners who might not know CEBA clean energy buyers association uh, which was the Uh, event they were just at, which we are a part of, I'm a part of, all of us are a part of, right? Um, Which, you know, the fact that I'm uh, I'm not sure exactly when it was founded, I'll look it up, but just the fact that that exists and that these conversations are happening on a quarterly basis is certainly more than existed a few decades ago.
0: Absolutely. And as Mike said, the attendance at SEVA seventy okay. seven out of the top of the Fortune 100, That would, that's something that would have changed. I think we've mentioned before on the pod, but um, in 2021, 60 of Russell 1000 had a binding carbon emissions reduction target, and by the end of 22, it was over 600. And that means targets that they're measuring and uh, committing to reducing and reporting to the public. So that's where these sustainability managers are rising in prominence internally. And you know, one of the conversations we had with a, it, with a, almost exactly like the one we had today, um, sustainability director for a Fortune 200 who had just finished their roadmap and said, I'm meeting with the CFO next week to articulate our carbon roadmap but I don't know how we're gonna pay for it. So the fact that the sustainability director has direct access to the CFO again is something that's changed since even five years ago.
1: And just to follow up on what I just said, SIBA was founded in twenty fifteen. So that's eight years, which is younger than Renew. So right. these are these are definitely new initiatives. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's uh Everybody's coming together to try to make sustainability part of it. And, and to do that, you have to have the, the workforce And, you know, Aurora's a testament to the, the education that, yeah. that's coming out. And it's wonderful to work with the Aurora for the last three months and excited for, for many more in the future. So uh, with that, let's, let's transition to our, our favorite part here. Um, let's talk about some beers and uh, let, let's see how good they are.
1: Okay, I'm gonna jump in here right where we're uh, talking about Lagunitas. Um and and of course we've been talking about sustainability, sustainability managers, um, how that works. I'm I'm sure that um Lagunitas and its parent company, Heineken International, definitely have some sustainability managers. Um and that's actually the interesting part about Lagunitas is that they were uh as Founded, the brewing company was founded in 1993, um, and um, by 2013, it was um, the fifth top-selling craft beer in the United States. But then, in 2015, two years later, was bought by uh, 50%. Was bought by Heineken International, and then in 2017, they purchased the remainder of the company. So by 2015. Um, no longer could be considered a craft beer. It is no longer a craft beer. However, uh, they still seem to have, you know, the, the quality control is, is great as far as I can tell. Um, but it uh, that complicates the sustainability um, picture because it's not just um, the two breweries in uh, Petaluma, California and Chicago that are, you know, that are, uh, creating emissions for Heineken International, they you know they own hundreds of breweries around the world. So, um, just looking at um, Heineken International's ESG goals, their um, in terms of their carbon footprint and reducing emissions, um, as of 2022, they want to one reduce scope three emissions by 21 percent by 2030. Uh, we have a blog out on scope one and two and three emissions if you want to learn more at renewep.com. And um, they also want to reduce emissions across their value chain by 30% by 2030. So that would be again, including scopes one, two, and three. Finally, they want to reach net zero across the entire value chain by 2040. Again, are these, is it soon enough? Who's to say exactly, but uh, there certainly is uh, some momentum and goals that have been made recently. In terms of lagunita sustainability, they uh, have, uh, it's more about their suppliers. They have suppliers that are, uh, one supplier running on 100% solar energy. Um, their barley farmers are working on sustainability as well. Um, they are recycling both packaging and then they have a um, a biodigester that uh, generates four hundred thirty-eight thousand kilowatts per hour per year of renewable energy so uh and and generally reducing waste and trying to save water across the board so um just in terms of my own analysis here and i'd be curious for for any other um opinions but um to me lagunitas again making some good uh, making some good strides. But again, because they're owned by Heineken International, uh, as we talked about in our last podcast with Carter and talking about Miller, uh, Miller Knoll companies, these, these very large, uh, companies are really going to need to take more aggressive action if they want to, uh, if they really want to make a difference in terms of their overall supply chain, and, and I, I commend them for their uh, current goals, but it's certainly um, it's not going to be business as usual to attain them, and so that's where you know we at Renew can come in and help uh, achieve those goals. So that's that's a quick rundown. If I if years. I can
2: chime in, I think I read also that, um, Lagunitas is following a protocol that Heineken brought into the the kind of the industry the, the the I don't know if it's the whole beverage industry or more so like the beer industry and that that caught my eye because I think that is one of the major issues right now that probably a lot of sustainability managers are dealing with which is the reporting side which is the measuring side and it's using all of these hundreds of protocols that are out there to make these goals to make these targets and then it's like okay we publish these goals we publish these targets oh it all sounds amazing it all sounds great but then how do we get there right and that's why we're seeing more and more of these teams coming into to Fortune 100 Fortune 200 companies to actually figure out how do we actually reach these goals that are now public that are now you know the 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 public the markets are all holding us accountable to and so of course we're going to we're we're going to hire teams of sustainability leaders to to not just report on them now, but actually, actually take action and then be able to to reach the targets. and And that's why they're they're growing up in the ladder in the corporate ladder, and they're not just you know assistants anymore. They're actually at the top of the strategy and the uh, the strategy making you know deci- decision makers at the board. I mean, yeah, they're they're leading the the company towards towards public targets. So, I think you know. I think that's a key you know,
0: point. Is that we're. You know, is that they're moving from a consulting role to an implementation role yeah. and from an input role to a, to a decision-making role. Yeah. Do it to capture the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And if we wrap this full circle to Heineken, I remember driving to school, it was like an hour, and I would hear this um, commercial all the time about Reinheitsgebot, the German beer law. Beer purity law that must follow originally from fifteen, sixteen. And uh yeah, I mean it is uh, still something that they follow to this day, that beer can only be made up of three things, um wheat, barley, and water. And it's uh it's interesting to see. Well, there's something to be said for that, Mike, because I remember I think we share the fact that we don't like a bunch of fruit stuffed into our beer. Yeah. <laughs> Ren right. ice I, you know, just I just always remembered that I was just, like super fascinated by the name Ren Kaboot. I named our dodgeball team Ren Kaboot, and uh, <laughs> no one got it but me, and that was okay. When his <laughs> no, team was you named your what? We had a dodgeball tournament in high school. You know, it was uh, it was a thing. So, all right, I love that a complete full circle. They yeah. take
1: their beer very seriously in Germany. I, uh, you know, you can you can drink it in a restaurant, at your house, on the street, on the train, wherever wherever you feel. Well,
0: this is in honor, Then this episode is in honor of, of Mike Savage's high school dodgeball team. <laughs> <laughs> and Aurora's dad. And Aurora's dad.
2: Aurora's dad. Osvaldo, to Osvaldo. Cheers. <laughs>
0: <the> <laughs> I love that. I
2: love server. that. Oh. All right. So
0: I would say that moving to the ratings, um, I would say this is a seven on taste, flavor. It's a good down the middle. Actually, I'm going to move it down to a six. Sorry, guys. It's a down the middle IPA. I think it is well balanced. It's not overly hoppy at the finish. Highly balanced, just well. It's highly <laughs> balanced. I'm reading the label. <laughs> But I, so, but it doesn't actually distinguish itself. I re, I'm, i remember how much I loved Sierra Nevada when I went back to that one and I really was impressed by the fact that it was different and really tasty. This one doesn't feel that different sustainability. Okay. I'm going to get a half a point. So I'm at six and a half. Yeah, I think, um, well, where are you going? I'm interested in
1: your fee. I don't want to all right letting le- le- the water so taste a taste one
2: out of ten one out of ten so actually i'm not an ipa person but this one is really good it's very crisp i like i usually like pilsners or lagers and this was very crisp very light so i'm gonna give this taste an eight or no maybe a seven seven let's let's leave it at seven i, I really like it i would i would actually drink it on a regular basis or when i do drink beers um for sustainability um i i i think i read or Nate, you you mentioned that their their farm or the farm where they get their their supplying farm is 100% run on solar so for that i'll i'll give it i'll give it i'll give it a point i also read that on the social sustainability aspect they 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 have like a dog like a like a dog uh, found like foundation for dogs or something and they they give a lot of money to to caring for for dogs and pets, so that's that'll add to to my sustainability rating. I'll give them a full nice. full round of eight, yeah.
1: The dog
0: booster—that's new for us. Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for me, you know, Laganitas Lagunitas was a little bland. Um, maybe too well balanced. You know, it's uh not not enough of anything. Balanced right to snooze up. Yeah, yeah, it's uh you know probably like a six ish seven is you know like right there you know we'll call it a 6.5 um give it the half for sustainability um they're definitely not leading they're not doing nothing um just your average IPA I guess I mean you can drink it wouldn't call it crushable um maybe a a two for crushability you know it's just overall just uh it's a beer we'll get it done uh that's all I got for today
2: Guys right? gotta try, right. so got try mine. Guys gotta try mine. Not just... too crushable. Yeah, that does that sounds
1: good, Aurora. Probably more crushable.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. Drinking.
1: I would say I'm gonna go with similar to Mike on this. I think we'll do I'll give it a I'll give it a seven as well, I think. Um with six and a half plus the half point for sustainability. I'm I'm with that. Uh, and I will say I I do think it's well balanced as it says right Uh, my positive comment is that today uh, when I took my first sip of this beer I felt more relaxed than I had before I took the first sip so you know that's that's a positive 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 uh, review for me I could probably drink you know three of these no problem
2: that is a regular um, thing that alcohol does, though it will it will relax you. So.
1: Right, right, yeah. That's just, well, no, it doesn't all. It doesn't for some reason with this particular well, beer today. I think I just what
0: Nathan's felt it. saying it, it didn't do that. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> it didn't make the stay worse. Exactly, and so with that, with those um, ratings here, uh, we're going to get to an average of a score of seven point one, not bad, or seven point one three. Um, not bad at all, but it certainly does not reach Good. our uh our top five.
2: so nothing.
1: So it's not in the top ten. Or the top? No, five. not in the top five. You need a you need an eight point eight or above to get into the top five. Like so that. this was a seven point one.
0: This is a discerning podcast, people. Absolutely. No.
1: Better bring your A game if you want to make the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Brewers, if you want us to review your beer, reach out. Info at renewep.com.
2: And your sustainability. You and your sustainability management. Yes. More
0: importantly, Thank you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you
2: know,
0: let us drink your beer too. <laughs> next time. Thanks all. This has been green Bear. Thanks for so
2: Alright. Thank you. Thank you for having me, but till next time.
0: Bye. Till next time. Green Beers is brought to you by Renew Energy Partners, your partner in building decarbonization. Decarbonizing your building is good for the earth and it's a smart business move, but it's complicated and it can cost you a lot of money. Our goal is to decarbonize your building while saving you money, so all of those retrofits pay for themselves. Learn more at renewep.com.